Good morning, everybody. If you do not have a sheet that looks similar to this one, raise your hand and Mr. Mayberry will bring one to you. It will be blank. It won't have any writing on it. That's mine. You have to put your own on there. Good morning. As y'all are coming in, if you did not pick up a worksheet, raise your hand and John will bring one to you. All right, just to double check, does anybody not have a sheet that looks like this with no handwriting on it? Excellent, great. So last week, uh, sorry, for those visiting who don't know, we're studying Philippians. We are finishing that today. Um, last week as a group, we looked at every verse in Philippians that mentions either joy or rejoicing. And in that, we essentially looked at, call it 10 verses, depending on the version you're using, um, there's all, all have about 10 references to joy or rejoicing, um, but there's, call it 14-ish uh, uses of those words. Some of those verses have multiple uses of them, but joy or rejoicing. And our goal last week was to really think about and examine each of those verses what was the cause and the, or the source, either one, of the joy that was being discussed? So in some of those, it was Paul had joy over multiple things. There were a few places where the Philippian brethren were called to have joy. Um, and then there were also some general calls for joy uh, as well. Within that, some of what we talked about was the fact that well, at least two of those times, the beginning of chapter 3 and halfway through chapter 4, there's an imperative or a, a seemingly a command to rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord always. I kind of presented the idea that we should be careful simply kind of commanding others or ourselves to have joy. But instead, as we examine those 10 verses, to consider the causes or sources of joy so that we could work to improve or grow our access to those sources, thereby gaining joy. 
I think for some people it may not have been exceptionally clear, partly because of how I said it, that I believe that joy is an end. It is not, it's difficult or impossible to command someone to have joy. You can, because if you just tell them you need to have joy, that's not actually how they do it. It's similar to weight loss. If you go to a doctor and they say, hey, you need to lose weight. I mean, there are some really bad doctors who would just say, you need to lose weight, and then they would just leave you to it. But generally, if you are really trying to lose weight, how are you going to do that? Or you just say, well, I'm going to lose weight, and then you're going to lose weight. I mean, there are a couple in here that do that, and if you do and you raise your hand and say that, we're going to kick you out. Um, but, but if someone tells you you need to lose weight, and you try to do that, how do you do that? All right, so Crystal said you change your lifestyle. Exactly. And what parts of your lifestyle do you change? All right, so if you just put two, diet and exercise. Diet is how you um, get calories. Exercise is generally how you burn those calories. In order to lose weight, you need a calorie deficit. And so you either have to exercise a lot more or eat some less in order to lose weight. Ideally, you do both of those at the same time. But if you just tell someone lose weight and walk away and they don't know about those concepts, they're left kind of in the dark as to what to do. And so if you go to a dietitian or you go to a doctor who helps with that, they're going to deal with both of those separately and say, okay, well, let's talk about your diet. You need to change what you're eating. You need to change how much of it you're eating, maybe when you're eating. And then they talk to you about exercise. Oh, you do one type of exercise only? Well, maybe you need to do more of those or for longer or whatever. But, but you kind of address the goal or the end that you're seeking by um, tapping into or working on individual components that lead to that end that is your goal. In that case, losing weight. Joy, I think in the book, is similar to that. We are commanded to have joy. Paul does that twice, like I said. But I think the way we need to interpret that is, if we don't have joy in our life, it's because our diet of the sources of joy are inadequate. And we have to tap into those sources or causes of joy in order to fulfill the command that Paul gives in the beginning of chapter 3 and the middle of chapter 4, to rejoice in the Lord always. So, hopefully, if, if I left you a little confused last week as to what the means and end conversation was, hopefully that gives you some light. Then as we went through the class, um, the last thing we did last week was we then looked at all the notes that we'd accumulated from those 10 verses, and essentially we identified three or four sources or causes of joy that Paul mentioned in the book. If you look at the worksheet you have, on the left-hand side, there's a column labeled sources of joy. You could also say causes, but I didn't want to say sources slash causes because there's too many words in my opinion. So what we, what we all pretty much agreed on is about four of those. You can kind of combine some of these depending on how you think about them. So some may say three, some may say four. We're not going to quibble. Um, relationships with other Christians was one of them. And so in the book, we see that as when Paul talks about concepts like he yearns to be with the brethren and to see them and to share his love with them. 
We also see concept of the faithfulness of others. At multiple points, Paul rejoices over the fact that the Philippian brethren are faithful to the Lord um, despite the fact that he's no longer with them and despite the fact that they're enduring persecution. Also, the, the idea of sharing or supporting the gospel or the spread of the gospel. In chapter 1, I think verse 6 talks about the fact that they were partners in the gospel with him and that that brought Paul joy. And then finally, um, I would say this is a broad, a broad one, the peace of God brings joy. This is especially evident in chapter 4, uh, where after he says, rejoice in the Lord always, there's really about 10 verses that all in different ways say, you can have the peace of God, you can forego anxiety, you can trust in the Father, multiple kind of flavors on the peace of God and how that can bring joy to our lives. So our goal this morning is we're going to read the book again, and we're going to take a break or two and talk about the worksheet that I've put out, and I'm going to ask you to fill that in. So you'll see there's three columns after that sources of joy. One of those is me, how do I, how do I access or tap into these sources of joy? How do I do this for my family or by my very close friends who are part of my close circle? And then how can I do that for Woodland Hills? And the goal here is for us to, I don't think you have to fill in every box or anything. Uh, I have done it and I, four of my boxes are, are blank. Um, but the goal here is to write down things that you can do in order to increase access or tapping into the sources of joy for you, those very close to you, family and close friends, and then also for Woodland Hills. And our goal is to then talk about those. I would encourage you in some ways to think about these as potentially as time-bound goals. It's a very like businessy idea, but time-bound goals. So that's, I want to achieve something. Okay, in what time frame do you want to achieve it? So for example, I'll, I'll cheat and I'll share with you one for me that's a little further down the list. So sharing and support of the gospel for Adam, I have written that I want to write four emails to different evangelists um, in January, encouraging them and talking to them about their work. So that's a time-bound goal. It's also very clear. I'm going to do four. I'm going to do them in January. Um, And so then I can hold myself accountable. And now knowing Drew and that he's staring at me on February 1st, he's going to ask me if I did it. Um, uh, And and sharing and owning those ideas. And I want us to talk about those goals for ourselves, our families, and Woodland Hills, partly because it'll give each other ideas, but partly because hopefully it will potentially drive some accountability amongst us as well as we think about accessing joy for ourselves and Woodland Hills in the coming year. Any questions about what we're going to do? Okay, so we're going to start... Um, I'm going to read chapters 1 and 2, and then we'll take a break, and we'll work on the first two, relationships with other Christians and faithfulness of others, and then we'll read again, and then we'll do that again, and then I'll share a few closing words, and we'll we'll be done. I can find Philippians in my Bible. 
All right, Philippians chapter 1 and 2, and I'll be reading from the ESV. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is to my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. <coughs> Engaged in the same conflict, 
that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. <coughs> Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you as always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a cro crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights of the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive in him the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. All right, we're going to take a few minutes. Um, if you could look at the top two, relationships with others and faithfulness of others, and think about how you can access or, or, source, or tap into those sources of joy for you, your family, 
or for Woodland Hills or wherever you worship regularly. If you don't have a sheet, you can raise your hand and John will bring one to you. Okay. What did you all write down? What are you going to do on these two items to increase or tap into sources of joy for you, for those close to you, and for Woodland Hills as a whole? No one's looking up because they don't want to call them. Sure. Well, as for me, it would be growing in Christ, becoming more, more and more spiritual. Okay. So growing in Christ and becoming more and more spiritual, is that relationships with others or faithfulness of others? Well, by doing that, being a good example to others Okay, so I think where you ended there is likely closer to, to what we're thinking about in these first two. So faithfulness of others, one thing that Sherry just said that she's going to do is pray for others' faithfulness. So that's something she can do now. Okay, great. What else? Allison? Great. So for you, is that you're going to do that just with yourself? You're going to do that with your close friends? Or you plan, you, you're, you want to do that with Woodland Hills as a whole? Um, I, I think, well, doing it yourself, I don't think it accomplishes what the point of that is. So I think either family, close friends, or Woodland Hills. Okay. I think there's Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think there is. Um, the one I've written down for relationships with other Christians it's exactly the same goal for Woodland Hills for us and for my family. Um, I agree. So, so Allison's is sharing our situation, which is, um, I would say, difficult in many cases because it's, you need to share it because it's a negative. It's, I mean, sharing positive situations is good. Most of us are pretty good about talking about the positive things in our life. Paul specifically talks to them about the, the situation that he's in that was not one that itself was joyous. He was in prison. Um, and he shared that with them. And because of it, they were able um, to understand his struggle and to see joy and how he was faithful in that as well. That's great. David Lee. Maybe on the other, another side of that, one of my things for this coming year is to be more diligent about soliciting prayer requests from people that are, whether here or that I'm close to, or people that maybe could be encouraged, I don't know, but I feel like oftentimes we all may be going through something, but nobody knows about it. But if somebody came up and asked you, what can I be praying for for you? Yeah. That might open up a whole other dimension that would tap onto all these categories. And so not necessarily just, just look like sharing what I'm going through, but actively soliciting that information from other people so that you can encourage. 
Okay, so David Lee, if you didn't hear him, said he's, he's seeking to have more information about prayers that other people need. Is that right? You said solicit prayer. I wasn't sure at first if you were going to ask others to pray for you or if you were asking for people about things you could pray for for them. It sounds like the, the second. So he's going to ask people about things that they need prayer for. Let's put a finer point on the goal. And I'm picking on you because I know I can pick on you. Can, can we define the goal a little bit more? Like number of people, when, how. Give us, give us a little bit more for the goal. And um, maybe that will help you be accountable and help us hold you accountable for what you plan to do. Right now. Right now. So my thought initially came from the people at work. Yeah. I work with a lot of really cool people that I really enjoy hanging out with. I need to be more bold and forthcoming about my faith. And underlying this is more of showing my faith by the things that I'm doing rather than just the things that I don't do that they might yeah, that's great. And so that was the initial thought was trying to make more of a spiritual impact on people who know that I believe, and I know they believe, in maybe a different form or a different way or something, but a way that I can really just show my faith more, more boldly. And so the initial thought behind it, behind it was to help encourage people who I know Maybe aren't as strong in their faith as they could be. Yeah. And I need to be doing more diligent job showing mine with that. So yeah, that's great. That's still kind of a generic answer. But, well, but you give us a who. Yeah. Specifically, people he works with and are and are close to in a professional setting. So let me let, let's refine that a little bit more. Can you do it with two people in January? Yeah. All right. So now. David Lee said he thinks he can do this with two people in January. So some of us should follow up with David Lee on that. And ideally, part of the way this rolls down into sharing and support of the gospel is part of this goal for David Lee is also related to sharing the gospel or sharing his faith. And now he has people that we can pray for once he does that. So then we can be asking him about those people. Yes, sir. Can you describe tell me the difference between love and joy? Between love and joy? Love and joy. Hmm. I'm feeling like there's a big overlap here. I think there is, although um, in the book, what we see is joy is what some, I'm going to kind of give an anti-definition. Some people mistake happiness and joy for one another. I'm going to kind of avoid love because I haven't, I don't, I think... Love is like a separate emotion above joy. Like, they're related. But often people mistake happiness and joy. But happiness is more about in the moment because of what's happening to me, I feel good. I feel warm. I have positive feelings about what's going on. Whereas joy, especially as presented in the book, is something that is happening despite what might be negative circumstances. The, the circumstances Paul mentions, for example, are not ones that people would ha be happy about. I'm not happy I'm in prison, you know, if I'm Paul. But he's able to access joy through that because joy is about his relationship with the Father, others' relationships with the Father, and the fact that he can have peace 
because he, he doesn't have anxiety around what's going to happen to him as, as is talked about in chapter 4. I know I didn't completely answer your question, but I think love is kind of almost, it's a separate emotion, but uh, you should have love and joy in the same moments. I don't know if that's a great way to say that. Sherry? Well, so joy is the result of love. Is that what you're trying to say? It's not. Um, you could say that. <laughs> it's not what I was trying to say. Um, all right. Um, so uh, before we go on, I'll share a couple of mine because I, I want folks to think about how you could do this as like a goal setting organ, uh, effort to, to help you think about things you want to develop. So, so for me, in my relationships with other Christians, so for me, I need to talk to a mentor to have someone to seek advice from and who will help control me or tell me when I'm out of control. So for me, that's Chip right now in my life. And prior parts of my life, that was uh, Max Shearer. Um, sometimes it's my dad. But right now, especially at Woodland Hills, that's Chip. I go to him for advice or when I think I'm off kilter and all kinds of things. Um, and then relationships with other Christians, there's some relationships with other men that I want to grow. So for me, I've specifically said, I want to grow my relationship with Michael, Drew, and Evan. Those are guys that I'm close to now, but I want those relationships to be more at the end of this year um, than they are now. And then I also have a develop section. Um, one of those is with Louis Reese. The other is with David Lee is in my develop section, where I want to be much further along in my relationships with them at the end of 24 than I am as we look at the end of 23. And then as I think about relationships with other Christians for my family and for Woodland Hills, this one is the one I mentioned that's overlapping. Our family's kind of identified there's a group that we've become, call it more and more disconnected from through this year. And that's, um, we can call it younger, the younger Christians or folks under 30 or however you want to put that. Um, but we have just in this year, a lot of folks have been added to that group we have not kept up our relationship building there, and so we plan to invest there in 2024 as a family because we need to shore that up so that we can be more closely related to that group of people here. Um, all right. Do anybody have anything else before we go on? Mike, could you have some? I couldn't tell if your hand was raised. Yeah, it was earlier. It was, it's, I have mine I share. It also related a little bit to my father-in-law. I, th I thought maybe it was because I think he was, his wife was holding your child. So that gave it away for me. Yeah, we don't usually give, him away to, give her away to strangers. So, yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, I, I said that mine was to, and kind of similar to yours, mine's kind of an overlap. So it kind of yeah. goes in phases for myself, my family, and Woodland Hills. But mine was just to be more intentional, intentional about building relationships. We are not now new, but we are newer yeah. in the group here. So being more intentional about actually getting to know, spending time, investing, sacrificing in order to deepen relationships, build relationships, thereby grow in love. We, we love everyone here. We love Christians all over the world. But you can deepen that love in different ways and being intentional and having conversations, spending time, etc., is how you can deepen that love that we are uh, example, example by Christ. That is the definition of love is what he has shown us. So by deepening that, we will be able to find joy, find more joy in the relationship yeah. that we have 
myself first and then also with my family, with those within this group specifically. Um, so I think joy can be a, it can be a result of yes. deepening that love where, like other things, grieving with others can be deepened when you have a deeper love and relationship, that connection, <coughs> that Christ example of connection with one another. So that for myself was be intentional about building that, developing yeah. that, and then for my family, including them in opportunities to do the exact same thing with people that either I'm developing relationships with um, or you know, Deb is developing relationships with, et cetera. And then for the Woodland Hills piece of that, I have relationships with Christians who are outside of this group. So I can also help here with increasing that joy that we can have with one another by bringing those relationships, introducing relationships that maybe aren't there yeah. currently with the people who are in this group that we may have, et cetera. So I, lo I love multiple things that Mike has said there. One, acknowledge that, I'm gonna say you're new-ish. You're not really completely new and you're not you know, completely bedded in, like you're new-ish. Um, new members especially. So they said that they need to become closer to all of us. So. That's a call for folks here to know that Micah and Deb want to get to know us better as a, a family here. So if you aren't doing that, you now know of an opportunity where you can go deepen your relationship with other Christians. Eventually that will tap into a source of joy for you, and they want that. So now it's, it's much easier if you know the other person wants to have a relationship with you. So now we can all take that and put that, think about that as a goal for ourselves. Second, another thing I really liked about what Micah said, is he mentioned sacrificing in order to do that. We all have a limited number of hours in a week and um, giving up a night or an afternoon or, or whatever to go spend time with others, it's it's likely that that is a sacrifice for you. And, and sometimes we may be tempted to, to think, well, I don't have time for anything. Well, there may be some times or seasons in your life where that's true. You really don't have any time to go add something to your schedule. But it, it may be necessary to think about doing that as sacrifice. Sacrifice means it's not supposed to necessarily be easy or free for you to go do that. So if you're looking to deepen your relationships with others, but you're also not willing to sacrifice any time, that means the only time you're willing to give up is the time that currently doesn't matter to you. And that's not going to be easy for deepening relationships if you're thinking about your time that way. The other thing I really appreciate about what Micah said was he mentioned, he's, he's thinking about Woodland Hills, but also the fact that he's worshiped with lots of other Christians in this area and he thinks he can be a conduit to connect some of us to them and increase our joy in that way as well, uh, which I think is really beautiful. That's, that's really great. Okay, anything else before we go on? All right, let's read chapters 3 and 4. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day. 
of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but the one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increase, increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. <coughs> and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. All right, if you take a minute and look at these last two rows, <coughs> sharing and support of the gospel and the peace of God, and we'll talk about these in just a moment. Yes, ma'am. for something else and sacrifice a little bit to, to gain. That's great. What else? Drew? Talked about the peace of God in verse 7 mm. surpasses all understanding guarding our hearts and minds. I wrote pray for God Having joy in our life does not equate to ease or happiness. That's not what Paul tells us in the book. But instead, that having joy in our life is about having fellowship in God's people, with God's people, and with him in the gospel. And that through that, we can access something so much better than happiness. Something that's fleeting and based often on physical things. And instead, we can be filled with joy that's everlasting and we'll have despite what perils and trials we face in today's world. Thank you so much for studying the book with me. I've enjoyed this uh, so much and have benefited greatly. Um, thank you and have a good day.